Welcome into the Lemon Pepper Parlay Podcast, the basketball edition. I'm your host, Martin Weiss, joined here by my good friend and now current co-worker, co-host, Mark Gunnels. <laughs> Mr. Hot Take himself, Mark Gunnels. How are you doing? <laughs> welcome. Let me be the first to welcome you to the Extra Points Podcast Network, although I'm sure our bosses already welcomed you. I'll be the first to publicly <laughs> welcome you to the Extra Points Podcast Network. Hey, man, thank you. I appreciate the very warm welcome from the only one only Martin Wise, you know, with your lemon pepper parlay shirt on. You're ready to make some bank, I'm sure. Fresh from Dubai. I mean, what a guy you are. Just take a trip to Dubai. You know, no big deal. Back in L.A. Man, you got a bag, don't you, man? You're good at this thing. A 12 hour, a 12 hour time difference. And we'll get to that a little bit later in the show, because you just moved around a little bit yourself. But I want to talk about, real quick, the Philadelphia 76ers, okay? You got James Harden, Joel Embiid. Harden's now been there for eight games. They've lost two of the last three. However, but the first four looked really, really good. They haven't been impressive in the fourth quarter of the two losses, one against the Brooklyn Nets. We know that happened there. And then last night against Jokic. Which Sixers team do you think we're more likely to see going forward? The first four games are Harden, or the last three games are Harden? It pains me to say this, because I want to root for James Harden so bad. I want him to get that lucrative ring. Of course, Joel Embiid, you know, I'm a KU guy, rock chalk. So I would love those guys to get a ring together and shut all the critics up. But I have to be realistic, man. I have to go with my mind. And it's telling me the last three games. Because we have seen a, a pattern, especially with James Harden, when it comes to playoff basketball. And things are getting closer now. It's not playoffs quite yet, but they're playing these type of playoff type of games, right? Like the Brooklyn game. That felt like a playoff atmosphere. Last night against the Nuggets, Jokic and Embiid, who's the best center? Who's the MVP? Philly was rocking. And Harden just kind of just disappeared and faded away in the biggest moments. And I just, yeah, I just can't erase it, bro. Like, I want it to work so bad. But... I have to lean with the last three games. So I think that we're more likely to see the last three games as well, but I don't know. This is the thing I think is the kind of caveat. I don't know if that's the worst thing. Now I understand what we saw. The first four games were great, but when you think about Philly pre hard, they were doing pretty well. You know what I'm saying? They were, they weren't, it wasn't some big super struggle. Embiid was the front runner for MVP and still is, depending on where you look at it. Like, there's not like the Philadelphia 76ers were off to a rough start here with a player and 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 have yet to with when they had Ben Simmons, a guy who literally refused to shoot. So essentially, you traded a guy who refuses to shoot for a guy now who refuses to make, right? In <laughs> late fourth quarter games. I, I don't know if it's the end of the world, especially because of the way that this Philly team has kind of gone through this season. Because I, I agree, you'll probably see more history shows. James Harden goes off when no, and it doesn't matter, right? And, and, uh, which is a problem in the NBA in general. That there are games that don't matter. But certain games matter more. And look, those games are the games that James Harden plays his disappearing act, right? Hides in that big beard. My thing is, though... Even if James Harden is hiding in that big beard, well, Ben Simmons refused, literally refused to shoot the ball. And I think now what you see, what I would like to see in Philly is a situation where a guy like Maxie or a guy like Tobias Harris 
is like, all right, I know that I know what James Harden is going to do. We've seen this before. And also, too, I've played a major role on this team for the last, you know, for uh, Harris two years. Maxie last year, I played a huge role in this team, especially in late game situations in fourth quarters. I'd like to see those guys step up a little bit more because I do think that Joel Embiid has he doesn't disappear, but he definitely plays at a different level when he's highly motivated. And I think you saw that in the playoffs, right? You saw him in the playoffs, highly motivated with the, with the, with the messed up knee, just eating game after game, after game, after game, after game. And that's part of the reason why it was so egregious what Ben Simmons did when he passed up that dunk. Cause it's like, bro, if you would just help a, a little bit, a little bit, if you would just inch up a little bit, I could go run free. You know what I'm saying? But so I think, that, that just that little bit of help is going to be more than the Sixers had. Although I still don't think it's enough to get them over the top all, you know, all, you know, over the, to, to win the finals. Yeah. But, and here's the thing too. I know you referred to last year and I understand that point, but the thing is the East got a lot better this year. I think the bucks are even better. The nets are still obviously a big threat. They may play them in the first round. Uh, the heat are better. The Chicago Bulls are definitely tremendously better. So, I mean, yeah, I understand that Philly theoretically gets better because you have somebody that can actually shoot the ball and is at least willing to shoot the ball. But the East has also gotten better as well. Yeah, the East has gotten better. And I want to talk about the East in a way because you have, like, this game was billed, this game, Jokic holding off Embiid was billed as, like, the MVP matchup, right? That, that was kind of what the deal was. And to, and to me, sitting there watching this game, and it made me think, you know, the MVP to me is the ultimate – it's the ultimate fanboy vote. Like, the NBA is a fanboy league in general. Like, people like who they like and they don't like who they like, and they're like they'll, – uh, narratives decide a lot in this league more than in other sports, I feel, right? So – the MVP to me is the ultimate like fanboy award. And I think Embiid was getting a lot of the credit saying that he was now doing it without Simmons in the same way that we saw Russell Westbrook do whatever he was doing to lead the, the was it to a five seed in Oklahoma city as he averaged a triple double and was somehow the most valuable player. So then, and then you see Jokic, the argument that he's doing it without Michael Porter jr. And doing it without Jamal Murray. Like what I don't understand here. The Bucs are the two seed in the East. Giannis is second in scoring. They just beat the Jazz last night. And I, I get it. Giannis already has the two regular season. Why isn't Giannis getting more love for the MVP? You know why. You basically just explained why. The NBA MVP is the ultimate narrative award. And after you win it a couple times, now you want a finals MVP. It's this natural instincts for the voters and the media Oh, uh, we have Giannis fatigue now, right? Like, and which is crazy to me because Giannis is only what 26, 27 years old, and we're already you know, having Giannis fatigue. You know who else got Giannis fatigue? The Utah Jazz, because he was wearing the house out last night. <laughs> but yeah, I was saying the same thing about the Giannis thing like a week ago. Like, he's not even getting mentioned when his numbers are just as good, if not better, than his MVP years. And they're the two seed in the East, and nobody's talking about him. Like you guys are tired of Giannis already, and I understand. I can. I have. I have a sympathy for like the last year, right? Where you know, 
you had you had back to back MVPs and then a playoff flameouts, right? I I can hear you where it's like I get it. Maybe maybe how valuable is he? I can I see the argument, but this is they just won the chip. He's pretty damn valuable. He's pretty damn good. And it's like you we were talking back and forth yesterday. I personally think that Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA, just pound for pound at playing basketball. You give me one guy to pick first, that's gonna be it. But I'm not strong enough. I'm not here to sit there and tell you Giannis is the wrong answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something that I would fight either way either. Like, if you said KD, like, I'm not going to fight tooth and nail. Like, oh, you're an idiot. You're crazy for picking KD. Like, you can go wrong. You can't go wrong either way. But I just look at it as Giannis. I think he impacts the game on both both ends of the court more. Obviously, with the defense, the way he just chased down blocks. He's always active, too. Like, every game is, like, a big game for him. That's what I like about Giannis. He takes every possession so seriously. I mean, the guy plays hard in a freaking all-star game, for crying out loud. So, I love that guy. But you were talking about this. This uh, You were talking about Mil- Milwaukee a little, bit of, a, mil- a, lot, a little bit ago about how they got better. Drew Holiday last night in the fourth quarter, the nationally televised game, really the only game that was close last night. Uh, you had he had 12 points in the fourth, 29 for the whole game, ripped up Donovan Mitchell down the stretch. Like, this is a team, like, it was always kind of looked at, Giannis had the back-to-back MVPs, right? And then he went to the finals, and it was kind of looked like Giannis in the pips, right? Like, it doesn't look like Giannis had, but Chris Middleton's an Olympian, Drew Holiday's an Olympian, Drew Holiday had 30 last night damn near. Like, Take the stars away from this. Where do the Bucks supporting cast rank in the East to you? Because to me, they're they're top one, two. I mean, supporting cast in the East, they have to be number one. I think it's not even debatable. I mean, when you consider the collection of guys, like the depth of it, like you already mentioned Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Don't forget about the Grayson Allen pickup. That was a really sneaky good pickup. Bobby Portis is looking like the best stretch four in NBA history these last couple of months. I mean, Bobby Portis cannot miss a shot, man. Every time I watch him play, he's nailing threes left and right and, you know, taunting the crowd, going crazy. Obviously, I'm being a little bit hyperbolically there, obviously, but he has been playing really, really good basketball. I mean, they just have a great collection of guys. I like their coach, the culture. And you have a leader like Giannis, like I said before, that doesn't take possessions off, doesn't take games off. They feed off that, man. Those guys feed off that. And people were saying, oh, they got the ring. Now they're probably going to get a little fat and happy. Nah, that's not the case, man. It's not the case at all. They're trying to go back and run it back this year, man. I mean, I feel like, and and you know what? If you're Milwaukee, why wouldn't you feel like you have something special? Why would you, like you said, he's 26. Like, you know what they said about LeBron? He's 36. That's <laughs> 10 years ago. Like, that's 10 years before. They got to be feeling like they got LeBron 10 years prior. And I would be, hey, I know that Milwaukee is cold, but so are like a 30, like, you know, there's only like five NBA cities that aren't, are like in desirable locations. I And plus two, I play in the league. I don't have to be in Milwaukee in August. You know what I'm saying? I can go wherever the hell I want with my championship rings. But yeah, yeah I think to me, uh, I said when the when the Sixers made the trade that the Bucks and, and the Heat were still my favorites in the East, and I think that since that trade has been made, I think I think that still stands true. But the Bucks is, have have gained some on the Heat and my for my favorites in the East. Yeah, I got the Bucks. I've been on the Bucks all year. I'm not wavering at all. Uh, like I said, I think Giannis is the best player in the world, and I just love the confidence they have now 
after getting that championship. They got that championship swagger, man. Then nothing scares them no more. They've been to some game sevens. They've been on the road in big time games. They're ready, man. Well, I've been on the road. I haven't been in any big time games, but neither have the Los Angeles Lakers. Because the last <laughs> time I watched the Lakers live and I talked about it the next day was uh, March 5th versus the Warriors. And we'll get to that in a second. But that was the last, and I actually believe that was the last time the Lakers won a game. I said the Lakers would miss the play in 10 days ago on March 5th. Since then, they're, they're one and three. Your thoughts? Well, the thing is, they're not going to miss the plan because if you look at the team outside of the plan. Do you really trust Portland to gain ground? I think they're, what, two and a half, three games out right now. And we're getting closer to the end of the regular season. So, I mean, the Lakers really just have to win, like, I don't know, four or five games or something like that. Like, nothing crazy. I mean, Portland, they're, they're, they're not winning. All right, Mark, how about this? Win. How about this? How about this? Also, on March 5th, I did an interview in, in Toronto, which ironically enough was the opponent that the Lakers played last night. I did a, a radio interview in Toronto. And I said at that time that I thought, I, I said, this is going to sound like a hot take. I said the Lakers might not win five more games for the rest of the season. If I had to take over or under five, I would take the under. Since then, they've gone one and four. There's like what there's like 15 games left in the league in the season. Right now they got nine games left. I'm looking at it right now. So there was 15 games, games left, left in the season when I said that. <laughs> I don't think they're not going to be favored. When how many more games are they going to be favored in? They're only I think they have looking at it right now again at home. And I think that's the only game, second to last game of the season, the Lakers might be favored. No, 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 they don't. They don't. The only one I see is Washington at Washington. <laughs> and that, to that's me, toss-up. That's yeah. a toss-up. I just, I, we were talking about this on that last extra points that I did. Uh, uh, Dave was talking about, as uh, he's like, the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. And I said, no, I really don't believe. You said all the Lakers have to do was win to make the playoffs. Where's the evidence that that's going to occur? Hold on, is he saying the play-in or the playoffs in general? I was saying that they weren't going to make the playoffs and the idea that, I, I mean, I get it. I get the idea that this play-in thing, like everybody makes the playoffs now. But if we talk about what, what the playoffs used to be right, back right, when right, men, right. back when, back back in my day, this Lakers <laughs> team is not a playoff team. But I'm not, I'm honestly starting to be concerned about if they even make the play-in because they don't even play hard. Yeah, that yeah, that's problemsome. And it looks like uh LeBron has to score 50 for them you have a chance. <laughs> and he's 37 now. Right. So if he has to, I know we're gonna keep we're gonna talk about that a little bit later, but yeah, if you need him to score 40 plus 50 points to even have a chance, I mean, even in those games, it's not like they were blowing them out. They still they needed all of them points, like to just barely scrape by. So it's not looking good at all. I tell you that well, I've I, I flipped on a Lakers game. The score was 20 to two. And I, and, you know, I got, I got the, you know, I got all the games on. So I could, uh, I'm flipping back and forth between all of them. And as soon as one goes to commercial, I go to the next one. Right. So I just mm -hmm. go back and forth. I was shocked to see it was like a 13 point game in the fourth quarter. I was like, yeah. how, how, but the shock was how did, I was like, wow. And I went back and looked and I said, oh, wow. Toronto really tried to lose this thing. But the Lakers just wouldn't let them. They said, don't you worry. We're not good enough at all for that to happen. That's one thing but, the Lakers are good at. They're good at the fake comeback. 
Yeah, like, <laughs> like they get down 30 and they cut it to 10 somehow. And you're like, oh crap, okay. The crowd's getting into it. LeBron's mean bugging. And then they still lose by double digits. What do you, what do you make of LeBron yesterday? Because again, you know, you, I was on literally 12 hours away. I was on the other side of the world from, from, from Los Angeles. So like games here tip at 4.30. Like over there, I was jet lagged at 4.30 a.m. And I watched the beginning of the of the Nets Sixers game before I fell asleep, right? So it's just, <laughs> so I, you know, you have to prioritize what you're going to try to pay attention to when, when you're in a situation like that. The Los Angeles Lakers were not high on the priority list, right? But so I hadn't seen a play in about a week, which is a long time for somebody like you and I, as you know, we see LeBron's every single game, uh, whether we'd like to or not. <laughs> but <laughs> I thought he was out of pocket yesterday in a way that's like, all right, bro, you throwing Gary Trent to the ground. You slamming. I get I get the whole like you slamming the ball, Scotty Barnes in his stomach and he's slamming the ball, mad at his teammates for not getting the rebound. It's like, dude. You've mailed it in by now. What is all this performance of this happening? Like he, like you clearly, he's late mailed it in. I, I, he hasn't mailed it in, but the team's mailed it. In. Like what? Like I, I think. Oh, go ahead. I, I disagree with that notion. I don't. I don't think they've mailed it in. I think because you see what AD said, right? He's still cautiously, cautiously optimistic that he's going to return by maybe the end of regular season by the play-in time. So I mean. Yes, I'm not saying this team is going to make a run or anything, but if you have LeBron and AD, you know, you let the chips fall where they may. And then, hey, you take your chances there. I think I, I, I don't, saw don't they think they last year. If I, saw I mean, they were too long on Phoenix before AD got hurt. They would have won that series if AD didn't get hurt. They were too long. I, I tell you, I, I was on the wrong side of that. I was arguing for the Lakers on Rob, with Rob. On, on back in the other edition, uh, old LP3 fans will know that I was I was heavy on the Lakers, and I was just—I'll be honest—even going up two-one, I had no belief that the Lakers were going to win that series after the fact. I told Rob, I was like, I came in the middle really? of the series, and he's like, "You're switching your pick? Where's your conviction?" I was like, "Yeah," because I watched the games, bro. I'm sorry, I didn't get married to the idea that LeBron James had to go make a run out of this eight seed. But yeah, I just wasn't a belief. I'm not a believer in this in this. At a certain point in time, there's like Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, Wayman Gabriel, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook on the court. And it's like, huh? <laughs> it's ugly. It's ugly, man. They're really bad basketball. They're really bad. They're really bad. I mean, they're, they're really bad. I, 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 can't, I can't say enough adjectives to explain how bad they are. <laughs> so Sal had this bet, Lakers to miss the playoffs. I told him it was a great idea. Now, this play-in thing is going to make it all confusing, but – he if made the bet before the season? No, he made it, like, uh, around the All-Star break, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. It was around All-Star break, but Lakers to miss the playoffs. Like, And I was like, I think that's a lock. Like, I, the idea that the Lakers finishing their play-in at best, and the idea that the Lakers are playing in a seven-game playoff series this year, to me, if I, as a betting man, I'd bet no. And another factor, too, is, they're looking at being that nine or 10 seed, which is a big difference between being seven or eight. Cause now you have to win two games to even get in the final eight. Whereas if you were seven or eight, you just have to win one game. Right. That's why I said, that's why I said a seven game series. Cause I can't tell you that I can't sit here and say the Lakers are going to finish 11th in the conference, but the Lake, right. I, the Lakers not playing those seven game playoff series. 
That's the way I'm going to phrase it now on. We used to say they were not going to make the playoffs because they'll be the ninth seed. They ain't playing no damn seven-game playoff series. There you go. That's, That's what, a I good like way to that. put it. I that. like that. So I got a segment idea I want to run by you real quick, Mark. But before we do that, we'll take a quick break. Let's go to dunked on because every week in this league, somebody's getting dunked on or embarrassed in some form or fashion, whether it's physical or figurative. And this week, I want to just go back through the month of March. Okay. Because Sal came on after the all-star break, after Steph went for 50 and said, you know, because that was his, Sal had some bad bets to start the NBA season. I know I'm, I'm, I'm just filling you in on a lot of this stuff because, you know, I'm sure you haven't been listening to, to every single minute of the Extra Points Podcast Network. As you know, I know you're an avid fan, but Sal had Zion for most improved player, Steph for MVP to start the year, and uh, I think under on Dallas wins. So it was just, you know, it's just, oh, Yikes. not great, Yikes. right? So he was he was clamoring whether or not the fifty that Steph went for the All Star game was going to wake up Steph Steph wake Steph up because you've seen it happen guys have big second halves after the All Star game. Well, instead it woke up the rest of the NBA because in the first two weeks of March we've had from least um, from oldest to most recent you had LeBron go for 56, 10, and three against Golden State and that was a win. Tatum went for fifty four five and three and a win against the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie of the same Brooklyn Nets, went for 50 and three and six versus Charlotte Hornets. Kevin Durant goes 53, six and nine in a win versus the Knicks. LeBron again, 57 and six versus the Wizards. And then last night, Carl Anthony Towns went 60, I'm sorry, 60, I'm sorry, six zero, <laughs> six zero. Just make sure everybody got that. 60, 15 and three. Last night. So, Mark, I figured for this segment, we'll go and figure uh, where you rank these, and we'll see if we have any agreements. Let's start from the bottom. Which one was the least impressive? I'm probably going to have to go Kyrie for least impressive. Yeah, considering the opponent. I mean, Charlotte, they can't guard you and me. I mean, they can't guard a stationary bike. I mean, they are terrible defensively in all the defensive metrics. And, I mean, like I said, we're, we're picking. I mean, we're, we're, we're nitpicking here, right? Because, I mean, sure. call something least impressive for 50 is, like, wild, right? Because you're an NBA. You're an well, NBA. that's what's so, well, well, to, Just yeah. for the – I mean, the context yeah, is there. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're ranking 50-point right. games. Right. So, the idea right, this right. is already very, very impressive. Right. So, that's why I don't get your – What? <laughs> like, I mean, come on. He scored exactly 50. Some of these guys score 54, 53, 56. We have a 60. So he barely made it to 50. And you did it against the worst defensive team on this list. So how can it not be the least impressive? To me, it was the most impressive. Because what? that's why. That's, that's what? <laughs> look, Kyrie said, I'm a part-time player. I play 25 hours a week. But when you're going to get this work, but he's 25 hours a week. He's like, that was a reminder. 
That was like everybody been talking about. We traded James Harden. What are the Nets going to do? Or the Nets cook? I'm one of the people that's been talking about the Nets are cooked. You know what Kyrie said? Shut me up for a second. You know what I'm saying? He goes, damn, I'm going to go ahead and cook y'all ass right back. Because the same way we're talking about the Lakers and an 8-9 seed, and it's like they have no chance to make any noise. On the other side of the bracket, you talk about the 8-9 seed over there, everybody's like, yo, the Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, look out. And I'm sitting there like, what about the standings? And Kyrie says, well, I haven't played all the time we played in Brooklyn. Look at, look at what I'm going to do on the road. So that's why, to me, it was more of a statement than anything. I understand, like, the raw metrics. But the, and then and then just the efficiency. That's a killer, bro. 15 from 19 to the floor. Like that's some so that breaks your back. As just as you want to go, you, they really not guarding nobody after you go, after you hit like four, six for your first seven, eight for your first nine, you know. So that's why I had that one first. My least impressive was LeBron's 57 and six versus the Wizards. Because the team is just so bad. The team is so bad. And I think that, like, LeBron has always been the type of player that he gave the impression that he could do whatever he wanted to do, right? Like, if he wanted to score 50 a game, he could score 50 a game. But he decided he wanted to score 29-7-7 and every single year since he's ever stepped into the league, right? But, like, you know what I'm saying? He just – and, like, the games where he's like, yo, I'm going to find guys this game and get my assists up. I'm going to find guys get my assists up. So I don't mean to say LeBron can score 50 at will, but I just mean that he's done had the team now to find the assist guys. Like, he doesn't have – like, this is – the only thing that – the only way this team's going to win is LeBron scores. And against the Wizards in a season that is a disastrous season, a throwaway season, that's the one to me that matters the least. Like, this is a straight – like – He's trying to get to Kareem. He's trying to pass Karl Malone in fourth. She'll pass him in the next three or four games, right? So it's like that's where – I don't want to say it's stat padding because essentially all of these at some point probably had some stat padding involved in it, right? Like Steph trying to – Steph would have been on this list and it would, it would have been a stat padding play. And, and the second time the Washington Wizards were on the list, which makes this even less impressive for LeBron. <laughs> yeah, that was actually my second least impressive – I agree with you, the LeBron against Washington. I mean, you pretty much explained it very well, so we can move on. <laughs> so next one, I'm probably going to have to say this one was tough. The first two are pretty easy. <sighs> I'm probably going to have to go with LeBron's 56 against the Warriors. I'm probably going to have to go there, um, kind of for the same reasons, but obviously this was a much better basketball team, so that's why I put it a little higher on my list. And it was a closer game. They had to fight back in this game. Uh, Steph, Clay, was all playing. So, you know, Wiggins, shout out my boy Wiggins. He was getting cooked. So uh, the thing that really impressed me about this one, though, LeBron's three-point shooting. Like, he got hot. I mean, he was shooting like he was Steph Curry. I mean, he was shooting from Victorville. So, I mean, if you're in California, you know how far that is from L.A. So, yeah, I'll go with that one for my next one. I'll have to go with that one. I'd say that I that, that was my second least impressive, right, LeBron. And it's really just because oldest player to score 56 points. It's like I see – like I am not, I'm sitting here not saying that LeBron is done or washed or whatever. I, silly me, think that LeBron with the right team around him would still win another championship, right? Like, I, I don't think – I think if you say that out loud, some people might look at you funny. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's just, again, the same reason why the first one was. This is a nothing season. 
And it was a game against a team that's, you know, a good team, but like good teams lose. Right. And, but this, this team is just cooked. My third least impressive was Carl Anthony Towns's 60 last night. Although I do have to say it's because to me, the top three have real, real feel implications for what could happen throughout the rest of the season. The Timberwolves, I don't think they're real. They're not real contenders this year, but what happened with Sal was hoping was going to, what Sal was hoping was going to happen with Steph happens with Carly Towns right now. Cause I didn't think about it until a couple of days ago, but for all the accolades that Carly Towns gets as, as from his talent level, you know, people talk a lot, pop, talk about him a little crazy because the way the Jimmy Butler thing went, but the first piece of hardware he's ever gotten in the league for real is that three point contest. Yeah. That's really yeah. it. And yeah. And part of the reason why I really struggle with having this one fourth on my list is that it's the cutoff with this list was 50 points. Cat had 56 and 14 at the end of the third. Okay. Like he really should have had like 80. I, I don't know what the, why was he on the, what happened? Foul trouble something? <laughs> I don't know. But I just have to say that to me, those are the gross numbers that like I would have to, if I was put LeBron up there, that's the way I would credit. But Cat got the 60. So come on, bro. Yeah, okay, so we got three left on my end. I'm going to have to go with that one as my next one as well. Uh, 60 against the Spurs, I mean, it's very impressive against a Popovich coach team. You know, uh, he's gonna, not going to try to let somebody go crazy like that. But I was kind of disappointed, which is kind of like a spoiled thing, though, and I don't know if we should penalize him for it, but the fact that he had 56 after three, I was like, oh, you got to get 70 now. Like, 14 in the fourth, that's easy. That's easy, you know, and- but here we got four in the fourth. But that's, like, kind of weird to penalize a guy for that, even though he still got 60. But it's like, bro, you can't have 56 through three. It didn't give well, me four in the fourth. Well, here's the thing. We're penalizing him against the next two, right? And for me, the next one that I have on this list here is Jason Tatum, 54, 5, and 3. It was a six-point win. You needed all 54 of them things. You know what I'm saying? And Jason Tatum tied Larry Bird with five all-time 50-point games in Celtics history. He's 24 years old. Larry Bird was my age when he had his fifth 50-point game for Boston. I don't know how – Tatum can fill it up in a way that not a lot of guys can. And the key that was for me about this one is why I had it as the third most impressive, or you know, as, as going back top to bottom. This was against the Nets, the, the team that knocked them out last year and knocked them out in pretty uh, – pretty, it was pretty pretty quickly. Right. It wasn't there. It was no real concern that the Celtics were going to to put up much of a fight in that seven game series. He goes out there and shows them. And then you have a Brown 50 point game that just barely missed the cutoff of March. I think. And the Celtics, again, have been a sneaky team that people have been talking about in the East. I think that was a big like character building win for a team in the Celtics that have uh, been much better in the second half than they have in the first half. And that's a team that you're going to want to feel good against beating in the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, so um, I think we got the same final two here, but I'm actually going to go with Kevin Durant from my second most impressive, the 53 against the Knicks. And, you know, just because the whole New York rivalry thing, and you can tell that KD doesn't really mess with the Knicks. Every Mm -hmm. time somebody mentions them on Twitter or something, he always jabs back. And, you know, obviously there was a big thing about him potentially going there and he didn't. He went to the Nets. So I feel like every time he plays the Knicks, it's like a personal thing for him. And then obviously that game, it was in New York. It would have been New York either way. 
So obviously Kyrie couldn't play his brother. So he's like, hey man, I gotta pick up the slack. I'm playing the Knicks. It's a lot of Knicks fans was in Barclays. And hey, I'm gonna put on the show. And that's what he did, man. I mean, he's the best scorer I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Maybe the best ever. So I just love watching him play. Seven foot guard, basically. Put the ball on the ground, shoot from anywhere. So efficient. And that game, he was kind of like on a mama mentality. Like he shot like what, 37 times or something crazy like that? Like you really don't see Kevin Durant empty the chamber like that. So it was kind of nice to see him just go all out and say, I'm just going to shoot every time. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I mean, I was locked in. I saw, I saw all the highlights of it. Obviously, I wasn't locked in enough to watch it because I was, again, it was, you know, 6 a.m. local time for me. But, uh, <laughs> They had the go-ahead three, then ice it with the free throw. Then on top of that, you got the whole drama with the Insta Knicks. You got the whole mayor of New York won't let them play. And then, you know, also, too, everybody in New York is a Knicks fan. Eric Adams is a Knicks fan, right? He's like, he said it out loud. <laughs> like, these are things that we will know about. And he's like, to me, Kyrie made a statement and saying, like, just imagine what I can do when I'm available, right, as, as misguided as I think his unavailability is. Right. You know, I still have to give him credit for what he did when he actually played. And, but Kevin Durant said, look, it don't, I can do bad all by my damn self. And that's why I had a second. And, and then again, you needed all 53 of them. They only won by three. Yeah. So, you know, so I think so. My final rankings were Kyrie number one, KD number two, Tatum third, Towns fourth, and then LeBron's two, fifth and sixth. Yeah, so I got Tatum at number one. Um, that game was so fun to watch. It was the ABC Sunday game against the Nets. And obviously Kyrie played that game. It was in Boston, so they were booing him every time he touched the ball. And he, the thing that I loved about his performance was all 54 of his points felt, like, hard. Like, he had to really, like, earn right. it. You know, like, it was like a playoff atmosphere. It was real physical. He was bodying guys at the rim like shooting threes in guys' face. Like they needed every single one of those points. And for him to do it against KD and Kyrie, that just holds a lot of weight for me. And then Jalen Brown was back, but you know, he wasn't really in his rhythm like he used to be. So he still was working his way back. So they really needed Tatum to step up. So that's why I got to have Tatum at number one. And then I got obviously KD versus the Knicks at number two. And number three, I had Cat 60 ball against the Spurs. Number four, I believe I went with, what, the LeBron 56 against the Warriors and then LeBron 50 against the Hornets. Oh, and then your guy Kyrie was last on my list. 50 That's against, wild. That's 50 against, Yeah, come on. I guess the Charlotte Hornets. Come on, man. That's reckless. I mean, Kyrie, is all, he's, I'll tell you, he's getting the most scrutiny for everything. And, I, and all of it is so well-deserved to come out and do that. Is that's that's a level of hey y'all we're gonna shut you we're gonna shut everything up about whether or not what he's doing for just at least a second because sit there and watch this masterpiece that I paint right here. It's pretty crazy how we pretty much agreed on everything except I had your guy that was first on your list last <laughs> and you had him first. Everything else is pretty pretty close. It's, well, that's just the nature of sports debate, isn't it? <laughs> it's like it's like and it's really the idea of like which flavor of ice cream do you like better, but. <laughs> I picked uh, the unvaccinated kind, I suppose. <laughs> so before we get into the lemon pepper parlay, we're going to do it a little different this this year. This with the basketball side, we're doing segments. I'm going to have some sound effects going for for next week, but 
I want to do the starting five. And the starting five is going to be your top five things of, you know, it's a very original idea. Your top five things that you like for this week. We'll have, maybe have a guest on to get them in for their starting five. But for this week's starting five, I wanted to do starting five vacation destinations. And I gave you no rules to this, Mark Gunnels, because you might have an issue with one of mine. But I would also say, I also challenge you that when you have that issue, say it's not a major vacation destination. I'll go through mine first. Puerto Morelos, Mexico. It's my favorite town in the world. It's very small. It's, just, it's right outside of Cancun. Don't go blow it up like you guys did Tulum. I shouldn't even say it on this podcast. But Havana, Cuba was next. I, I've never, ever, ever known what it was like to be an American until I went to Havana and saw the impact of communism and just the impact and positives and negatives in communism and the communist regime. You don't understand what it's like to be an American until you go somewhere where America is not an ally. Um, or not necessarily not an ally, but... You, where there's complicated relations in history between the United States and that country. Uh, San Jose, Costa Rica was like a, a Cancun that was a little less expensive and a little less uh, Western. So that was a lot of fun. Dallas, Texas is on my list. And I feel like we may have an overlap there, but Dallas, Texas, I have a lot of good friends that live there. And I had to put something in the United States that wasn't a cop-out. And my cop-out is New Orleans, Louisiana. Because not only was where I'm from, but also to me, the premier vacation destination in the United States. Yeah. So, gosh, just know it's my first time on here. Martin made up this category just to flex on me because he knows I've never been outside the country before. That's no, that me, is not true. He named, me, he named me all these exotic places. <laughs> no, I'm so this no, literally, this is why this is what started this. I did not know that you've never been out the country before. If I did know, I have forgotten. I did not mean to do that. Because on extra points on Friday or Thursday, whenever they recorded it, I don't know because I wasn't there. That one of the topics was who takes more vacation time, me or Harry, right? And so I see. That well, you know, I see that you are off in Denver, right? Off, of, and that was so that was the setup to the whole thing that I forgot. It wasn't an idea yeah. to, to, no, to just know. randomly dunk, but it was the idea of like we both, I literally it was we both just got back in town. Maybe we could do our top five vacation destinations. It wasn't also I know play. it's just after you name all these other countries, I'm just naming cities in America. <laughs> it's just like all right, it's two different worlds here, but no. But I am going to go out the country for the first time this summer, though. So I'm looking forward to that. Where are you, where are you going? To the Dominican Republic. Do you know a city yet? Have you know, I, I, I'm not sure yet. I'll get back to you on that. The Dominican so, Republic is fun. Okay. We'll, we'll talk afterwards. All right. So we do have one in common, Dallas, Texas. I mean, before I moved to L.A., that's a place where I wanted to move. Like, I just love the vibe there. Uh, the scenery is nice. I think they have one of the best skylines in America. Uh, it's just cool, man. It reminds me kind of, uh, it's like a bigger Kansas City, but more to do. So I kind of like it out there a lot. Miami. Miami is probably my favorite city in America. I mean, don't have to say much more. If you haven't been there, I mean, the the water, yeah. the vibes. And, this, and you, right, guys will, you guys will know this soon. Mark Gunnels is a, he's a, uh, he's a three shirt unbuttoned type of guy. <laughs> so Miami, say, him saying Miami makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Miami, Atlanta. I'm actually due for another Atlanta trip. I haven't been there in a while. Uh, I mean, Atlanta is like the Black Hollywood. 
<laughs> the vibes there are crazy. Uh, if you like to eat, they have a lot of good food options down there in Georgia, obviously. Uh, if you're into, you know, places after two o'clock in the morning, you want to throw some money, some good places down there to do that as well. Uh, so I got three right now. I'm going to have to say San Jose. San Jose was really nice, too. I went there when I was a kid. It was my first time on the beach ever in my life. Okay. So I, I really loved it in San Jose. And I definitely want to go back there very, very soon. And then the last one, this is not an order, by the way. I'm just naming five. Uh, probably going to have to say this last one's tough. You know what? I'm going to throw Denver in there. Why not? I'm going to throw Denver in there. I didn't expect to have that much fun in Denver. I was actually surprised. Even though when I landed, it was, it was a blizzard. But the next day, you couldn't tell there was any snow on the ground. They do, they do a really good job of getting their snow off the roads. Like, it was pretty nice after that. And the people there were just so nice. Like, they were really, really nice out there. And it's so quiet. And they were so happy about Russell Wilson being there. I told <laughs> I, I was from Kansas City. They kept saying, yeah, man, that Mahomes guy. We had to get somebody to compete with him. So, you know, it was just cool, man. I like Denver, man. It's a very underrated city. I uh, So all, all, the ones that we share domestically, so I, if I were to just run them off, the, I, I like Chicago. But I do like Denver. Denver would be on my list. If I were to just strictly make it domestic, Denver would be on my list. I convinced a friend of mine to change his bachelor party from Nashville, which is not high on my list by any stretch. I can't understand why so many people keep inviting me to Nashville. But Nashville to Denver. And I was like, I'll go if it's in Denver, but I will not go. I can't, I cannot go to Nashville again and spend the amount of money it costs me to get to Nashville for what I get when I get to Nashville. Yeah. Then, yeah Denver is a fun time and a good, good people. And, uh, and it's really a beautiful city too. It's very clean. The mountains, man. Yeah. It's bro. That was the thing I was like, wowed about, like even their downtown, you know, normally downtowns are a lot of trash on the ground and stuff down going in, on. in lodo you were down in lodo oh, yeah yeah i was down there man you know about it okay i see you yeah bro it was so clean you could like yeah it was real clean i'm not even gonna say what i was gonna say it's real clean though <laughs> you about to say what you can eat off the ground something like that yeah <laughs> i've taken it a step too far and before we do that all right so let's bust out our lemon pepper parlays, the first of the basketball edition of this podcast. Mark, this is your first time ever seeing a lemon pepper parlay. Shame on you. But just in case you haven't, <laughs> you can find two things and you call it lemon pepper and it's good to go. All right. So for me, today's lemon pepper parlay, I'm going with the Phoenix Suns on the money line. I know that five and a half favorites, I think five and a half is even a solid plan. But I'm taking the Suns on the money line. I'm taking Aiton over 16 and a half points. I think that this is this line seems too low, and Aiton has scored over 16 and a half points in seven of his last 10 games. Suns are going to win this game, and Aiton should finish with at least 20. So that should get you done for your lemon pepper parlay. Let's eat. Cool. I like that. So I'm going to go with the Brooklyn Nets. I know it's a lot of points, minus 10 and a half, but it's in Orlando, which means Kyrie will be playing. And we know since he's a part-time guy, like you mentioned before, he likes to really get it in when he can. So I think he's going to go crazy tonight, which means KD assist. And I'm going to go over on KD assist right now. I got a six and a half in his last three games. He's had games with nine assists, seven assists, and seven assists in his last three games. And Kyrie didn't play in all three of those games. So that means he's going to pass the ball a little bit more. And I think Kyrie's going to go crazy and get those assist numbers up. Well, good luck to you, Mark. Good luck to me as well. 
That's the first edition of the it's the first edition of the lemon pepper parlay basketball edition. We'll be back next week with more of this. And Mark Gunnels is going to be on Thursday's Extra Points on the Extra Points podcast that were with me, cousin Sal and Dave Damashek for a proper introduction into this whole convoluted, confusing mess that we call a job. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, man. I can't wait. All right, man. Peace.